Welcome to Surrogacy Talk with me, your fabulous host and family building expert, Frank Golden. I'll be talking about surrogacy, IVF, and making babies. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. And today I'm here with Erica Daybook. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Erica, for being with us today. Of course, it's not a podcast without Erica. I'm so flattered. (laughs) (laughs) So today's um, podcast is going to center around the different stages of a pregnancy as kind of we see it from the surrogacy agency perspective. And we'll talk about some different things that take place at various stages throughout the pregnancy. Um, And then just as a disclaimer before we dive into subject matter here, Erica nor I are medical professionals. We didn't go to med school. We're not giving advice, medical advice. Um, Everything that we say is just um, through our own experience as we see it, again, through the surrogacy agency perspective. So I encourage you after this podcast, if you have any questions about any of the subject matter, reach out to your own physician um, or do your own research. We are not um, giving medical advice um, in this podcast. And without further ado, Erica, I'm sure you have a list of questions. You know I do, (laughs) Uh, because pregnancy is complex, right? And that's why we're doing this. So let's go into um, the very beginning of a a surrogacy. um, Well, actually, let's go right to an embryo transfer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about how the intended parents tend to feel during that time from your experience, and then kind of the overall process involved. Yeah, so... The embryo transfer obviously is kind of like um, the date of conception in the surrogacy um, world. You know, it's the day that you are transferring your embryo into your surrogate and hopefully implantation will take place shortly thereafter and you'll have a baby. So it's a momentous occasion. Um, Intended parents and surrogates are really nervous, obviously. Um, So it's one of the most major milestones. It's the beginning of your journey that you're embarking on with your surrogate. Um, The surrogates are really nervous because it's um, they want to do a good job. They want that embryo transfer to work. They want to help you either start or continue your family. Um, Hopefully your your first you know, embryo transfer is successful and you have implantation. Frank always says be cautiously optimistic going into a journey. Technology's gotten better, right? I mean, so the success rates are great. It really has. Um, most intended parents, at least through our program, are doing um, PGS or PGD, the right. genetic testing on the embryos. And um, we have seen success rates, you know, in the 80 percentile, if not higher, um, when when they are um, having their embryos tested in advance. And from someone who was an intended parent, um, and not being able to do genetic testing on our embryos because we just we didn't have enough due to our own circumstances. I always advise that if you can do the genetic testing because then you have peace of mind that at least you're giving your embryos the best possible chance for success. You're transferring right. in the best ones, um, even if you know, like you said, implantation doesn't occur on the first embryo transfer. At least you know that you are doing kind of everything that you can to make it happen. Exactly, so. and you're kind of. A solid expert on failed transfers. You've experienced mm. some of your own. Yes, so. unfortunately, but it's it's part of surrogacy. Right. It's part of it's part of pregnancy. And you have two beautiful children, so you're proof that you get yes. through that. Um, okay, so let's just say the embryo stuck and pregnancy's been confirmed. Um, can you kind of go through some of that uh, initial phase of a pregnancy? Yeah. So, 
your surrogate um, and surrogates out there, you will be under the care of the um, the RE, the reproductive endocrinologist, and the fertility clinic until you're um, between eight and ten weeks along. So that's typically when the fertility clinic will release you. Um, fun fact: your the baby that you are hopefully carrying is still considered an embryo until about um, ten weeks when it leaves the embryonic cell state and becomes an actual fetus or baby. So um, just kind of a fun fact there. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know that I, I did research um, so you know after the fertility clinic um, says okay everything looks good in this pregnancy again you're usually between eight and ten weeks along depending on the clinic's protocol you will then be able to go off of your fertility drugs and start seeing um, your regular OB for your regular prenatal care just as though it was any regular pregnancy right. so you kind of carry on that way um, I always advise that intended parents go to the first um, OB appointment just to kind of meet your doctor, establish that rapport, um, and really show their support. You know, it's their pregnancy. They should be there to support you and to meet your doctor and, and be engaged in the entire process. Definitely. And I would imagine that in an a, a, a regular pregnancy, a non-surrogacy pregnancy, um, that women are very hormonal in that first trimester a lot of mood swings, um, and especially since surrogates are still seeing their uh, fertility clinic for, you said, eight to ten weeks, till they're eight to ten weeks pregnant? Is Correct. That weeks? Yep. That's, and they're still on medication. So that's just additional hormonal fluctuations that are naturally going to affect their mood. Additional hormones in addition wow. to <laughs> just having to give themselves the injectable medication right. is quite painful. And, um, and I can't imagine. So yes, there are, um, those side effects, mood fluctuations, um, mornings, a lot of morning sickness can occur. So, you know, a piece of advice out there for everyone involved. And I think we, you know, we've talked about this before is that when you go into a surrogacy journey, it's important to have a really good match that's built on a foundation of trust. Um, and you really want a great bond with your surrogate because, that first trimester is really difficult for the surrogate. She may, because she's on those additional hormones, she may feel differently than she did during her first pregnancy or her, her last two or three pregnancies. Um, a surrogacy pregnancy can sometimes be a little different on the body because of all of the extra hormone um, you know, drugs that, that they have to give themselves to maintain the pregnancy. So um, be prepared for kind of anything and just be supportive. If there's one piece of advice I can give is just be supportive, yep. be open-minded, and know that it's just part of the process. It's not your surrogate being, you know, being an awful person or purposefully disconnecting. It's just no, she's going yeah. through a lot. <laughs> and just so. the stress of trying to get pregnant for somebody else is mm-hmm. it's a lot of pressure because they just want to make their intended parents happy. And it, it feels like a failure if they failed you. So once they succeed in getting pregnant – they realize this is kind of just the beginning and oh yeah, there's morning sickness and I'm tired. It can be very overwhelming um, for any woman, I would imagine. The funny thing, but not like super funny, is that every, every time we have a surrogate that um, reports back to us in that first trimester, like even before she has the blood work to confirm pregnancy and they're right. like, um, you know, I'm starting to not feel well. I'm really, really tired. 
the, the agency support side of me is like, oh my goodness, that's terrible. And we're really supportive of them. But on the other side, I'm like, yes, high five. Like the pregnant, they're probably they're <laughs> pregnant. We love that. It's like bittersweet because it's like, <laughs> okay, she's going through all these things, but it's a good thing because it probably right. means that she's pregnant. So it's, it's, yeah, it's bittersweet. Um, so let's move on to, well, I guess we don't want to focus on the negative, but it's important to address some things that could go wrong. I know that first trimester spotting, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we've had surrogates call and say, I'm spotting a little bit and intended parents naturally get very nervous. Again, we're not doctors, um, but we just don't want anyone to get overly anxious if they hear that someone's Correct. spotting. If you research, um, you know, a lot of women um, spot in that first, especially that first, you know, week or two right. following embryo transfer, Sometimes it's called like transfer implantation bleeding right. or cramping or whatnot. Um, it's still something that, that your surrogate should reach out to her medical professional or reach out to of the course. fertility clinic and make sure that it's, you know, it's within normal range. And they will advise if she should go in and get, you know, like an emergency ultrasound or whatnot. But don't freak out. Again, be supportive, um, be open minded and, um, you know, know that it's nothing that she's done. It's just part of part of a pregnancy, essentially. Right. Exactly. Um, but you're right. There are um, there are things that can happen in the first trimester. Um, usually, if a miscarriage is going to happen, it usually happens in the first trimester. So that's they. You know, we we usually don't say that um, your surrogate or your baby's out of the woods until at least week fourteen. Week fourteen right. is around when the second trimester is beginning. Um, sometimes it's measured between 12 and 14, but usually around 14. So um, I would just expect that. And then what Damn. I always tell everyone is, for me personally, you're really not out of the woods until that baby is in your arms. So yep. until that point, um, just be you know as supportive as you possibly can. By being supportive, you can attend the first ultras- couple of ultrasounds. Um, you can just understand, maybe send her a thank you gift, just mm-hmm. be there for her and really start establishing that relationship for the long run. So let's move on to the second trimester and talk about what we can kind of expect there. So second trimester, um, again, you're um, kind of out of the woods. It's your pregnancy still, a pregnancy still fragile, but you're not, it's not as critical. Right. Um, so your pregnancy is more established. Um, your surrogate usually will stop having the morning sickness and she will start to feel better and yep. start to feel herself again. Yeah. She's not in the third trimester, so she's not, um, she's not too heavy or too showy. She's not too lethargic. Right. The baby bump is just starting to form. Right. So she's starting to feel good like her old self again. Um, but if she, for whatever reason, your surrogate does have morning sickness still, um, I had a friend who had morning sickness throughout her entire pregnancy, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and it was fine. Her doctor wasn't worried. She was gaining weight. It was just unfortunate. Absolutely. And during the second trimester, your baby actually does the most growing in the second trimester, like all of the critical, awesome. the nerves and everything for, mm-hmm. is forming bones, skin, everything is basically coming together in that second trimester. So it's, um, it's a very important and momentous, um, phase of the pregnancy. And because your surrogate is feeling better, it's also a really good time if you'd like to go to where she lives, if she's not local and visit with her, yeah. or she can still travel to where you are and kind of spend time, um, being together and enjoying the yeah, pregnancy. It's a good travel, uh, time to travel mm-hmm. is the second trimester. So that'd be a great time to send her on a little trip to visit you, visit her or treat her to like some kind of pampering, like some kind mm. of spa treatment. Yeah. That's a really, that's great really idea. common that a lot of intended parents 
they do that, you know? Yeah, send your surrogate to get um to get a body massage or yeah. a day at the spa. She yes. will mm-hmm. be so grateful. <laughs> um and also the um the twenty week anatomy scan, so most OBs oh, yeah. do that, is in um it's at twenty weeks. So that's a huge milestone. Um, I always encourage intended parents that if you can't make it to some of the more minor appointments, um, don't stress out about that as much. Definitely try to get to the 20 week because you, they literally measure every part of your baby and you get to see your baby on the ultrasound and it's just really magical. And it's, you finally, you know, in the earlier stages of a pregnancy looking, you're looking at the, uh, the ultrasound and you're kind of trying to decipher what is, what is that blob I'm looking at at the 20 week ultrasound, however, you can see a baby in there. Oh the gosh. shape of a baby is clearly there, and um, and everything becomes even more so real that um, you will be parents very, very shortly. So um, definitely go to the 20-week huge milestone. Um, what, what ultrasound was it that you knew? Um, so Frank and Adam implanted uh, two embryos mm-hmm. um, and kind of wanted to see which one would stick and maybe both, but one stuck. And I remember you telling me that in an ultrasound, you saw Sophia and you just knew by the shape of her head, <laughs> that was Adam's child. You're like, it that's might, Adam's head. <laughs> it might've been like the 20 week when she did the 3d scan, um, the 3d image, it was still really blurry, but I could see the, the forehead kind of like the cranial, the structure. And I was like, um, that's Adam. <laughs> Adam's in there. That, that baby, that's Adam. Um, and we already knew that it was a little girl. So the whole time then I got to make fun of Adam, I was like, you're having a little girl (laughs) because, you know, I knew as two men, you know, you always think, okay, we're going to have a boy. It's going to be a boy. And then when we knew we were having a girl, it was a nail biter. We were like, which one of us made a girl? Oh my God. What's this baby going to look like? You know? Um, because I think it's harder when you're the opposite sex of to your child your face. that's in utero. What are they going to look like? I made a girl. So what does that translate to from what I look like? Sure. So, it's, so it's kind of fun. I got to make fun of them. But you're exactly right. I knew it was I knew it was a baby related to Adam <laughs> immediately. Immediately. People thought I was crazy. But then and then as soon as the nurse handed her to us at the hospital, I looked at him and I was like, I won that bet. <laughs> <laughs> Told you. Yes. <laughs> One of my favorite stories. Um, so we are now moving out of the second trimester and on to the very exciting third trimester. What are some things that we can expect there, Frank? So the third trimester is, um, you know, really your pregnancy is even more so out of that. You're out of the woods, out of the danger zone. You're more, um, more stable. Your baby has done all of the most important growth. You know, all of the the nerves, the bones, everything is formed. The third trimester is really about just trying to pack on as much additional weight and baby fat and everything to the baby before delivery. Um, Lung development, the lungs continue to develop so that your baby, um, upon delivery, can take their first, you know, gasp of fresh air and and have proper lung development. So um, it's just kind of your baby putting together um, the final touches in preparing for delivery, essentially. Um, but as, as a surrogate, and again, I've never been a surrogate, so I'm... You I'm haven't? Just, no, isn't that shocking? But okay, I'm just... I totally thought. From all the surrogates that we have been so honored to work with, um, and then our own surrogates, the third trimester can be really tough on surrogates because they're at the heaviest point of the pregnancy. So 
um, their mobility may be strained, um, especially if it's a summer pregnancy. It's really yeah. hot out. Um, they're even more so then they're kind of feeling a little more lethargic and tired again, um, having to, you know, as we noted in here, frequent bath- bathroom use for sure. For sure. Um, they're definitely at the point where they're having those Braxton Hicks contractions. They're mm-hmm. preparing for their bodies, preparing for delivery. Um, so there's some pain and cramping that accompanies that as well. Um, and then as Sarah gets even inch closer to delivery, I'm sure they start thinking about where they are in public because if your water breaks and you're at the mall, you know, so I'm sure all of these things start to go through their, their minds essentially. So it's, um, but it's, it's a really fun part of the pregnancy. Intended parents are, um, finalizing, um, all of their items on their, either if they need things for their gift registry they haven't yep. purchased yet or putting the final touches on the baby nursery. And they've already done their um, pre-birth orders in the second trimester. So this is Correct. really a phase where they know it's really coming together. Their names are going to be in the birth certificates. Um, really exciting time. And for the surrogate, again, it's it's stressful, right? I mean, she's getting ready to deliver. And for me anyway, I would be... S- so open to having intended parents in the room. Everyone can come and we can make it a party. And then as it maybe it's getting close, you start to realize, well, I'm going to be in a very vulnerable position and in front of these people that become part of a family maybe, but are still, you know, it's, it's so personal. So there's some of that and they have their own kids that they're chasing after. It really is. And so, um, for intended parents listening to this, you know, it's good to go into your journey and make kind of like a birth plan or be have a plan have if you don't formalize it in a quote-unquote birth plan which is kind of like a document um at least have those discussions with your surrogate about um you know does she want you in the room during the uh, the delivery and how all of that should kind of play out but note that things can change at the delivery so i know for for adam and i our surrogate she said definitely we you know she wanted us in the room but during her um, laboring, while she was laboring, she did want us kind of out of the room because yeah. it can be kind of uncomfortable and really kind of tribal and there's a lot of grunting and uncomfortable things that the surrogate has yeah. to go through. And quite honestly, they don't want some, you know, even though you build a relationship with your surrogate and you're with them for nine months becoming friends, it's still very it's personal. Personal. It's like you don't some want anyone in the bathroom weird in front of you. their husbands. Like they feel weird about it. And some women yeah. don't, but... Either way, there's no right or wrong. It's just something to understand that your surrogate might, at the last minute, kind of like feel a little bit weird about it. And yeah, so don't take it personal and be like, that. oh my goodness, she's she's kicked us out of the room. No, yeah, no, that's not it. We just need to be respectful. For Adam and I, then, after our surrogate, you know, laboring and Silas was coming out, then they kind of sashayed us to the other side of her. And then we got to see him like literally be pulled, pulled out. Wow. It was like a magical experience. So regardless of how that plays out, just know that um, the game time decision some time made to be more respectful to the surrogate and you exactly. want to try to be there for her and be supportive. So part of the birth plan talking about a post uh, delivery relationship with your mm-hmm. surrogate, you might want to have a plan for that. Right. I mean, what do you think, Frank? You do. So um, when you're working with an agency, we put um, a lot of those things together in the legal contract. We try to give that advice when the contract is being formed. Not that, the relationship should be, you know, governed in such a black and white right. way. It's just more of an outline so that there's 
a reasonable expectation set. Um, yes, that can change. A pregnancy is a very long, difficult thing sometimes in relationships and feelings do evolve. Um, but it's good to kind of have a plan. So if your journey is built on mutual trust and a strong foundation, um, depending on how that communication rhythm is formed throughout the pregnancy, that might continue on after post-delivery. Um, for Adam and I, our first surrogate was in um, Pennsylvania. We're here in Illinois. So our relationship carried on much as it did throughout the pregnancy with texting and phone calls. And it was kind of even more exciting after Sophia came into the world because we were able to send her texts of pictures. We would I would like photobomb her with photos of Sophia eating breakfast. And I'm like, look, she's using a spoon for the first time. And so you get to share those milestones with the woman who helped bring your child into the world and it's really special and hopefully that's the relationship that you have we're we're by no means saying you should have your surrogate over for um you know for a picnic every weekend or be besties it's that's not the expectation but at least celebrate those milestones let her feel appreciated as she should um as much as it was a life event for intended parents it's a really big deal to be a surrogate that's something that you tell people yeah i was a surrogate for a family and it's a big life event for them as well. Yeah, it, it totally is. And um, we have intended parents all the time that will fly their surrogates and their families out to them to visit yeah. with the baby. And, you know, they'll spend um, spend the weekend together. And I think those relationships are really special. I love hearing those stories. And I think that's um, that's that's amazing. It's incredible when that happens. So Most definitely. And then we always recommend or... I think for any pregnancy to get your surrogate or a uh, new mother, a uh, push present. It's just a nice gesture. Um, you know, during a surrogacy pregnancy, some intended parents are of the mindset that, well, this is a compensated um, journey. This is a surrogate. So why should I be buying additional things throughout the journey? One thing I want to stress is the push present doesn't have to be anything super expensive. No. And, you know, quite honestly, for all of the stress and sacrifice a surrogate, is undergoing to help you have a baby. Right. The least you could do is, you know, something um, for her after the delivery. So a bathrobe, um, a nice lush, some, yeah, something. Lush blanket. Adam and I would bring um, a gift bag. Exactly. We'll bring a gift bag with um, some nice lotions and some oils exactly. and some candles. Um, and then we would also put like a a gift card to like a local spa, um, so that after her journey, you know, after delivery and she's recovering, she could go get herself like a nice body rub and maybe right. get her nails done and feel feel beautiful and pretty again because a pregnancy kind of can take all of that oh God, out of you. Straining, yeah, straining. So yeah, just something to recognize the work and again, it doesn't have to be diamonds and <laughs> just something nice and that'll be based on your surrogate and her personality and your personality and all that good stuff so there's one more thing i think we wanted to address and that's every pregnancy is different so when we recruit um and vet surrogates they undergo you know medical exams and then we look at their complete medical history and their pregnancy history and their delivery history. And they're all very healthy, um, age appropriate women with healthy lifestyles. They're financially stable. There's they're mentally stable. I mean, a lot of requirements. So if something does go wrong in a pregnancy, it's not a surrogate's fault. It's nothing that she did wrong. You didn't get a bad surrogate. For example, maybe she gets gestational diabetes, just an example. It's sometimes, 
in lots of women, they'll notice that their first pregnancy was entirely different than their second pregnancy. And that's just pregnancy for you. That's why we tell you to stay cautiously optimistic because you just don't know. Um, you know, if you've gone with a reputable agency like exactly. Golden Seriously, like Golden Seriously, seriously. We, um, you're exactly right. We go through the records, we have them vetted by a reproductive endocrinologist, and we make sure that your surrogate didn't have complications in her previous pregnancies. Exactly. So if something pops up, you know, that's part of, of a pregnancy. They can be unpredictable. Oh, yeah. um, so it's important to, to be supportive. And then make sure that, you know, she sees her medical professional right away um, for intervention. Um, but, yeah, above all, just be supportive. Pregnancies are um, they're unpredictable. Um, but, you know, going through, through a surrogacy agency definitely helps game out everything and reduce risk. So exactly. that's very important. Um, exactly. Any, any more thoughts, Frank? No, I would just say, you know, we went through the first, second, and third trimester. We kind of grazed through each um, stage of a pregnancy. There are many more um, medical terms and things that you could research on your own or sure. talk to your, um, to your surrogate's OB or to your reproductive endocrinologist to, to know all of those scientific things. What I would caution is doing too much research is just going to stress you out even more. Yep. Um, what you might want to do, though, is maybe talk with, um, talk with your reproductive endocrinologist before your surrogacy journey starts. And ask them about, you know, what are the complications or risk factors for a surrogate because of the extra hormones she'll be on. If, you, if right. you'd like to understand even more in depth from a medical perspective or a scientific perspective, definitely have those discussions with the doctor so that if something does happen or she's a little moody or whatnot, you right. you understand all of that and hearing it from the doctor helps even more. So. Um, so basically, like, be aware of the hurdles, but don't create the hurdles. So don't look correct. don't look for things to be worried about, but be aware of the things that may go wrong. Yeah, definitely. I well, think cool. Adam and I went through our surrogacy journeys just very happy and optimistic, and we knew that our surrogates were doing the right things, yep. and, um, and we stayed engaged and we supported her. So those are my key takeaways. And lastly, awesome. just enjoy every stage of the pregnancy. It does go by really um, fast. Um, I know you think to yourself, oh, my goodness, nine months, but it it flies oh by. Gosh, it, yeah. it really does. So enjoy every stage of the pregnancy. Enjoy your surrogate. Build that relationship um, and make sure that your story, your journey, um, your child's origin story is, is one that is positive and built on a strong foundation of trust um, and respect with your surrogate. Um, but that's all I have. Awesome. This was a really fun podcast. Um, we need to do this again. We need to maybe interview a doctor on some of these yes, stages. Yes, that can give get a little more, more detail. They'll get a more, get a little more, you know, medical. Cerebral, medical. We'll get in there because this is just experience based again. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Again, we did not provide any uh, medical advice during right. this podcast. Just personal anecdote based on just awareness. Our surrogates that we've had in our program. Um, but thank you everyone for listening. And if you follow us online on social, our Facebook is, um, we're all, it's always at Golden, at Golden Sur Surrogacy. Except Instagram, which is, is Golden. Golden underscore surrogacy. And until next time, this is Frank Golden reminding you that everyone deserves a family.